We love you so much. It's my wonderful, wonderful privilege to introduce to you Pastor Chris Toth. He is no stranger here at Word of Life, so I'm going to ask you to give a praise offering to our Lord for Pastor Chris. Well, praise the Lord. It's such a privilege and an honor to be with you guys here today. Um, Eve, my wife Eve, most of you remember her, know her, and uh, we just returned from San Diego, California last week, and uh, most of you prob probably remember our oldest son, Levi, he used to play guitar here on the worship team. He got married in San Diego, so we went out there for the wedding, had a great time. But in preparation for the wedding, I asked him, well, what are we supposed to wear? And he's like, well, Dad, we're asking all the guys to wear a black suit. And so I went out and bought a brand new black suit and a new shirt and a new tie. And we went to California. And I said, well, isn't that going to be kind of warm out there in the California sun? And he says, oh, no, Dad, you don't have to worry about that. Here in San Diego, he said, the weather is very temperate here. He said, it rarely gets above 75 degrees here in San Diego was there close to the, the ocean there and, and all of that. And so I took him at his word. Well, they must have had a heat wave while I was out there. <laughs> because I, I sat out there in 95-degree heat in a black suit with a black tie on and, and, uh, and uh, just suffering for Jesus out there. But, uh, but it, we had a great time, and it's, it's, a, it's great to be back. He's doing very well. He's actually uh, part of a worship team there on a, at a Jesus Culture church plant there in San Diego, and he's doing very well, and him and his new bride are uh, enjoying their, um, their honeymoon and uh, getting to know one another and getting uh, set up to keep house and rent an apartment and all of the stuff that goes along with that, and so um, we wish them the best, and they send their love to you guys as well. Our youngest, Ethan, he's, uh, he's uh, still down in Florida, and he's uh, a department manager in the psychology lab at the University of Central Florida. So he's doing well. He was able to join us out in California for the wedding, and, and we all had a great time out there. And uh, So they all send their love to you guys, and uh, they miss you guys. And I told Pastor Tom, one of the things that I love about coming back to Word of Life is I feel like I'm among family. I feel like I'm among family here, and I just appreciate that so much, and it's, it's just like a family reunion every time I get to come back and visit with you guys, and uh, I thank you for that, and thank you for the invite and the hospitality that you guys always, always show me. Yeah, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I'd just like to give a little recognition here to the bravest guy in the house today. That would be Jason Roby. Jason, could you please stand up and show everyone your shirt? that you're wearing there. Yeah, he's got the WVU shirt on today. And um, uh, Jason, I think you're among uh, uh, a hostile uh, crowd here, so please be careful. Make sure that you get a, somebody to assist you on your way out to the car. You might get mugged. But uh, how many of you know what's going on today just uh, about an hour and a half south of here today? Yeah, it's the Pitt West Virginia game, the backyard brawl. It's uh, I'm just I'm glad once again to see West Virginia playing Penn State and Pitt again. They took a 10 or 20 year hiatus and didn't do that, and they're they're getting these uh, these games going again. They call it the backyard brawl. We just hope that West Virginia could win one of these once in a while. 
and instead of just becoming cannon fodder for Penn State and, and Pitt. But, um, but Jason, you're a brave guy. You're a brave guy. But I want to talk with you guys for just a few minutes today. You know, it's easy to come into a, a men's meeting like this and talk about kind of typical men's meeting topics like the ills of pornography or leadership or how to be a better husband, how to be a better father. And those are all very important topics. There are things that we need to talk about. And there are things that, um, you know, the, that are on the heart of God. But one of the things that the Lord has really stressed upon my heart to share with you guys today is to talk about the fact that the world that we live in on planet Earth, planet Earth is actually in an epidemic of hopelessness. And especially over the past three and a half years, I don't know, I, I, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I know this, is, this can be a delicate subject here, but I, I think that if we were honest with each other and with one another, that we, we, would, we, we would say that we've, if we haven't experienced this to a certain degree within our own lives, we actually know someone who has. Over the past three and a half years, the events that have taken place in our world, people are, are searching for hope, and there's people that, that uh, are feeling a real sense of hopelessness. And so I want to talk with you just a little bit about that this morning and actually give you some takeaways so that we can be stronger on the inside and be able to take a stand against these things that the enemy would endeavor to, to pull us into and, and use to pull us down. But in, in talking about Hope. I want to just give you a um, probably the best definition of hope that I've heard, and that is that hope is the joyful expectation of good. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. Hope is the joyful expectation of good. And um, uh, probably the best picture that I've heard of that is as a child, think about your childhood. I hope you had a good childhood, but think about your childhood and waking up on Christmas morning. Now, I'll just share a little bit with you what that looked like in my house. Now, I didn't realize it, but my parents would stay up till one or two in the morning putting stuff together and or, you know, la wrapping last-minute gifts and putting things under the putting the gifts under the tree. I didn't realize that. Me as a kid, I thought everybody went to was in bed asleep by 10 p.m. But I would be up on Christmas morning at like 4 a.m. and I'd be making my way down the hall to where that Christmas tree was set up and just to look into that room with all the lights twinkling and all the tinsel glistening in there and to see all of those gifts. My heart would begin to race. And, and that is probably the best definition of a joyful expectation of good. I could look across that room and I would see those Christmas gifts under that tree. I didn't know what they were, but I knew that they were good. How many of you can, un can relate to that? That's what a joyful expectation of good looks like. That's what hope is. Hope that, that there is something good. And I would look across that room. I remember one Christmas there was one package that was shaped just like a BB gun. I ended up, I got in a little bit of trouble later on with that. I shot the neighbor kid with it. But, <laughs> but it was all in fun. We both lived to tell about it. So, so uh, no harm, no foul is what I say, right? 
But let's look at a, our first scripture here today, Proverbs 13, 12. I want you to see, I think they have it up on the screen. Proverbs 13, 12. The Bible says this, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. life. It is a tree of life. When the desire comes, hope deferred makes the heart sick. What does that mean? Hope put off, hope that is diminished, hope that is eroded makes the heart sick. In other words, this diminishing of hope and the events that you see taking place every day in the news, the fact that we're in a proxy war with Russia, the fact that... that your dollar is worth less today than what it was a year ago. Your buying power is being diminished every single day. All of these things are, are schemes and tactics of the enemy to cause our hope to be diminished, our hope to be deferred, to cause us to become sick on the inside. But we don't have to be that way, amen? How many of you know that Jesus is the great hope? He is the remedy for all of these ills that we see attacking our world. Amen? But the Bible says that this hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And I want you to think about a tree. What does a tree do for us? A tree is a symbol of strength, isn't it? It, it provides a canopy, a covering, a shade. And that's what, that's what uh, you know, the when these good desires come, we're supposed to have a life that is, that is full of these good desires that God is bringing about in our lives. And we're to live under that canopy of his provision, that canopy of his protection, that canopy of his goodness being poured out in our lives. Amen. But our world, people are very sick in our world and they're sick because they have no hope. They don't know Jesus. They're in a state of hopelessness. But we've got, to be, we've got to be the ones reaching out to them and drawing them into the hope that you and I have on the inside. Amen? You may be the only Jesus that they ever see. You may be the only Bible that they ever read. You may be the only source of hope that they ever come in contact with. And God wants to use you and he wants to use me to bring that hope and to extend that hope to a lost and dying world. Hebrews 11:6 the Bible says this without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must first believe that he is and secondly that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him first you have to believe that God is and secondly you have to believe that he's good that's what a rewarder is a rewarder is somebody that gives you something good aren't they if you receive a reward, it's something good, isn't it? And God wants to reward you. It, the Bible says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But we have to first believe that he is, and secondly, believe that he's good. And hopelessness has a way of spinning or spiraling into these other things, discouragement, apathy, despondency, dread, doubt, fear, depression, withdrawal, anxiety, cynicism. And I believe that if we would be honest, we could all say that, yeah, I, I've felt a certain uh, degree of some of those things over the past three and a half years. And if you can't say that or, or if you haven't felt that, I, I believe that you probably know some people who have felt that way. 
because the enemy's at work to try and draw people into this place of hopelessness where they can be downcast, where they can, be, where they can give up what, what little bit of hope they might have had on the inside. They give up, and if you give up, how many of you know you've lost? But if you'll stay in the fight, if you'll stay in the battle, if you'll stay connected to Jesus, if you'll stay connected to the Lord, he's the one that will give you the hope that you need. Amen? He's the one that can give you that inner strength on the inside that can cause us to persevere that can cause us to be strong in the midst of difficult situations. We're going to look at some Bible characters that, that were strong in difficult times. The things that we're talking about today are they're really nothing new. They may seem new to us because we haven't seen some of these things in our lifetime. But if you read the Bible, how many of you know King David, he faced some of these things. Paul and Silas, when they were in the in in imprisoned in the Philippian jail. They faced some of these things. But how many of you know they were victorious? And you and I can be victorious. How many victors do we have in the room here today? Amen. Yes. Through Jesus, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do? Well, Romans 15, 13 says this, and this is one of my favorite scriptures for this day. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I like to say it this way. Now may the God of all hope. How many of you know he's not just the God of hope. He's the God of all hope. He has all the hope that you need. He has all the hope that I need. He has hope that is able to overcome every hopeless situation that we may ever face in life. Amen? Yes. Give the Lord a praise offering. Yeah, amen. Amen. And I would just want to ask you a few questions here this morning. Does this verse describe you can phrase it this way, think about it in your own heart. Does this verse describe me, the God of all hope, filling me with all joy and peace in believing that I can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit? Is my life filled with all joy and peace in believing? Do I abound in hope? Here's the real kicker. Would my friends and family describe me as being filled with all joy and peace in believing and abounding in hope. I don't know about you, but if you're if you're married, like and if you've married been been married for any length of time like I have, your spouse can kind of become like a mirror. The things that you don't see within yourself, they see it. And they'll reflect that back to you. Are you feeling okay? You seem a little withdrawn today. You're not very talkative today. Is something bothering you? How many of you know those are kind of little clues that maybe we're not on top of our game that day? Amen? Those are good things. Those are good things. We need people around us who will be honest in these areas. Amen? We need people around us who will encourage us in these areas. We need people around us. That's one of the things that I love about this type of a meeting here is you guys coming together and and 
encouraging one another. Just the fact that you're, you're here. I know you came out for a great meal. I know we had to bribe some of you to get you out here, but it was worth it. You're going to be blessed. You're going to take home more than what you came with. But it's good for us to gather and encourage one another, isn't it? It's good for us to gather like this and rub elbows. It's good for us to gather like this and pray for one another. Amen? Encourage one another. But I want to look at some examples here from the life of King David. Let's look at Psalm 42.5. Look at what King David says here. He records this in the Psalms. I'll read from the New Living Translation here. Psalm 42.5, David says this, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? That sounds like he's lost hope to a certain extent, doesn't it? Psalms 6.6, New Living Translation. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I fled my bed with weeping and drench my, drench my couch with tears. Psalm 13.1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? So how did King David deal with these things? I want to give you three keys here from the life of King David on how to deal with these things. How did he deal with these things? Number one, he cried out to God. Number one, he cried out to God. God is not the source of your problem. He's the source of your help. The Bible says that he's an ever-present help. Ever-present to help, help us. Psalm 42, 5, he says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again. It's important for us as men to learn how to praise, isn't it? It's not something that always comes easy or natural for guys. But as George said, he goes out into his garage. I've been at George's house early in the morning. I've spent time with George there and I'm thankful that he goes out to the garage. <laughs> no, actually, that was, that was something his wife Kathy came up with. She said, George, you have to go out to the garage if you're going to sing. The, the neighbors are going to hear you. <laughs> but no, it doesn't matter whether we go to the garage, whether we're in the shower Wherever our prayer closet might be, what's important is that we learn to praise him. See, praise is a powerful weapon. Praise is a powerful weapon that can cause us to be victorious in these difficult situations. It causes us to have hope because it connects us to the God of all hope. When we get connected to him, his hope is transferred to us and his hope becomes our hope. The hope that we didn't have now starts to bubble up on the inside of us and we start to have a hope that carries us through difficult situations and difficult seasons. Amen? Yeah. Number two, what did David do? He remembered the wonders and the miracles of the past. Psalm 42.6 says this, Now I am deeply discouraged, but what? But I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan from the land of Mount Mizar. 
David says, I'm going to remember your goodness in my life. I'm going to remember the good things that you've done. How many of you can think back to something good that God has done in your life? Yeah. And maybe this is your first day here. Maybe, the, maybe you don't even know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your Savior, but you can make him your Lord and Savior today. You can start on that path of miracles in your life with the first miracle being the one of you being born again. How many of you know that's the greatest miracle that you'll ever experience? It's the greatest encounter that you'll ever have. Making Jesus the Lord of your life. Saying, yeah, but Father, I've made a mess of my life, but I want you to take over. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to surrender to you this day and, may, and invite you into my heart and make you my Lord and Savior from this day forward. Does that mean that you'll be perfect? No, but it does mean you will be forgiven. It means you'll be forgiven. Yeah. He is that good. He is that good. He wants to release his goodness into your life. He wants you to enter into that relationship with him. And David remembered the wonders and the miracles of the past. He encouraged himself in those things. He, he brought those things to his remembrance. I, I remember in the Old Testament when the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River, they were told to pile up, make this pile of stones on, this, on the bank of the Jordan River. And the purpose of it was to serve as a reminder for future generations. And they were told that when they would pile, make this pile of stones, that future generations would point to that and say, what does this pile of stones mean? And it was to serve as a memorial and a reminder so that the previous generation could tell the new up-and-coming generation, this is what the stones mean. God brought us across this river, across the Jordan River, on dry ground, on dry land. And it was to serve as a reminder for the miracles that God did in their midst. How many of you know each and every one of us has to have that pile of stones in our own lives? Each and every one of us has to have those reminders on the inside of us that we can point to and say, you know, I was in a difficult situation in this particular time or this particular season of my life, but God came through with a miracle. I was a sinner and I was on my way to hell, but I made Jesus the Lord of my life on that day, that hour, and that time, and I've never been the same since. We have to have those types of memorials, those piles of stones in each and every one of our lives that we can point to and say, yes, my God is a miracle working God because he did this, he did that, and he brought me through when no one else could. Amen? Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a praise offering. He's good. And number three, what did, what did King David, how did he deal with these things? Number three, he returned to the place of worship. Psalm 42, 7 through 8, he says, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. David returned to the place of worship. David 
had that place of worship in his own heart and he would return to that place and he would begin to worship the Lord. He, number one, he cried out to God. Number two, he remembered the wonders and the miracles of the past. And number three, he returned to that place of worship. Worship is that important because it's the place where we get to encounter God all over again on a daily basis. Amen? A lot of times I think in Christianity we, we kind of have this concept that we encounter him once at an altar and then we just kind of do the best that we can do the rest of our lives and just kind of muddle through life. But how many of you know he wants an encounter with you and he wants an encounter with me on a daily basis? He is a living God. It's not, it's not, we don't just encounter him once and done. We get to encounter him daily. We get to encounter him hourly if you want to. Yeah. He wants to be that close. He wants to be that close to each one of us. Our last scripture I want to look at here this morning in closing. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If there's anything that the people of this world need right now, it's peace. And, you know, the world might define peace as, you know, the absence of war or the absence of noise or the absence of something. But I believe if we read the Bible that we'd have to come to the conclusion that the true definition of peace is not the absence of something, but it's the presence of someone the presence of the Prince of Peace in our lives. Because you could, be, you could be on the battlefield and have the Prince of Peace in your heart and not be affected by the war going on around you. You could be in the midst of all kinds of hellish situations. And if you have the king of kings and the lord of lords and the prince of peace in your heart and you're actively connected to him everything going on around you has no effect upon you paul and silas are in a in a prison singing praise after being beaten I, how do you do that how do you have stripes on your back how do you have your back torn open bleeding and you, you, you sing praises. That's a place I want to get to. Amen? That's a place I want to get to. Where the things of this world don't have a hold on me. They don't have an effect upon me. The craziness that's going on around me doesn't affect me and begin to bring me down on the inside. But my praise, my worship actually causes the circumstances around me to begin to change. And if you recall that story about Paul and Silas in, in prison, as they're singing praises, the Bible says that all of the prisoners' doors come open. I would have thought Paul and Silas's door may have come open. I could believe that. But the Bible says that all the prison doors came open. That tells me that your praise and worship 
not only affects you, not only takes you to a place of victory, but your praise and worship can actually affect those around you and bring them into a place of victory. Your praise and worship can actually change the atmosphere around you. Amen? If you remember the end of the story, the Bible says that the jailer and all his family get saved. So God is able to take these difficult situations in our lives, these things that we look at from an earthly perspective and think, oh, this is not good, this is going to hurt me, this is going to bring some level of destruction to me. But he's able to take those things and turn them around. Something that looks hopeless, he's actually able to bring hope into to cause a situation to change and to cause a situation to turn. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. Don't get your eyes on the things that are transpiring and taking place in the world around you because they are designed to do one thing and one thing alone, and that is to bring you down, to cause you to become, uh, be brought into a hopeless situation. And if you have to, shut that stuff off. Social media, all this stuff, and and. You know, I look at it too, but there are times you, you just gotta you just gotta turn it off because it just it's just it just becomes overwhelming. I heard a, a, a preacher say this one time that he 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 was an individual that loved to read the newspapers before he got saved. Read the newspaper, and this was I know you young people are like, what's a newspaper? <laughs> well, before Facebook and before the internet and before you know, all of these instantaneous ways of communication, they, somebody would actually take the news and print it on a piece of paper and call it a newspaper, and people would sit down and read that to get caught up on the news. But this individual that I heard, he, he said that when he got saved, he began to fast reading the newspaper. And he said years went by, 30, 40, probably at this time, 50, maybe even more years have gone by, and he's not read the new newspaper, not watched a news report on TV or on social media. And he said the world has gone through several crises that he knew nothing about. Because the vast majority of those crises are designed to do nothing but rob you of your peace and to steal your joy and take your hope away. So you may have to turn that stuff off and turn your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Yes. Amen. For he is the author and the finisher of your faith. Just close your eyes and let me pray with you as Pastor Tom comes. Father, I just thank you for these men. And Father, I just thank you that you are instilling hope within them even this day. That regardless of whether, where their hope was, Father, when they came through these doors today, I thank you that there's been an infusion of hope. There's been a renewed sense of hope. There's been a renewed sense of peace and joy on the inside of them, Father. Not because of me, but because of you and what you've done and because of what you're continuing to do in their lives. I thank you, Father, that those in this room that have, have um, 
suffered or experienced hopelessness, discouragement, apathy, despondency, dread, doubt, fear, depression, withdrawal, anxiety, cynicism, any of that stuff, right now in the name of Jesus, we bind that stuff in the name of Jesus and we command it to go from the life of every person within the hearing of my voice. And Father, we release your peace, the peace which passes all understanding. And we thank you, Father, for a Holy Ghost infusion today of hope, peace, and joy for your men this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a praise offering as Pastor Tom comes. Amen. <clears throat> we were... Uh when we were driving home from uh, Myrtle Beach, um, we like to listen to the oldies on this serious channel, the 60s. I don't remember the 60s, but George told me about them, okay? <laughs> and uh, there's a fellow on there by the name of Flash Phelps. Anybody ever heard of Flash Phelps? Okay. Anyhow, I just like to listen to his stories because this guy's been all over the country, everywhere, all right? And uh, anyhow, he's played, introduced this uh, next song, and he said, this is a song from Janis Joplin, and my wife says, who's Janis Joplin? <laughs> How many old rockers in here remember Janis Joplin? We're going to pray for you right now. <laughs> so I began to explain to her who Janis Joplin, I said, she was a hippie singer back in the 60s. Okay, so she looked up her picture. She said, yep, she was a hippie, no doubt about it. And uh, Janis Joplin died, I think, when she was 27 years old, something like that. Um, I think it was around the year 1970, if, if I recall. She died of a heroin overdose. And uh, my wife was reading a little bit about her. And, and I'm not here to judge Janis Joplin or anyone else, but the way she lived and the way she died, there's a possibility that Janis Joplin's in hell. And I say that because it began to give me some focus on some things that I've thought about many, many times before. And I began to count the years Janis Joplin, possibly, if she is, I'm not here to judge her, but Janis Joplin could possibly have been in hell for over 50 years now with no hope of getting out. No hope. And it really began to bring sobriety to me in a strong way to the point where it moved me almost to tears, thinking that that could be me. That could be me. That could be any one of you in hell. And, 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 and the hardest part of it was simply this. You know, we don't like to talk about things like hell because it makes people feel bad. But if you're using it in a way to condemn people, yes, it's wrong. But if you're using it in a way to say, listen, there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And the more I thought about it, thinking 50-plus years in hell, and there'll be another 50, and another 50, and another 50, on and on 
and on. In the worst of our situations, the worst of our circumstances, even death can be a reprieve. But there's no escaping death. There's no escaping hell. There's no escaping eternity. You say, well, pastor, why are you saying these things? Because there might be someone in here today that doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we want to pray with you. Why? Because we love you. And the love of God is within our hearts, wanting to bring you to a place that you will not spend eternity in hell where the worm does not die, the flame is not quenched. Outer darkness forever, forever, and forever. Yet on the other spectrum, on the other side, is the realms of glory where I have said before, and I recently heard Bill Johnson say this, that when God spoke creation into existence, he set forth a power that has created galaxy after galaxy after galaxy of splendor and magnificence. And I believe with all my heart that as Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, Believers in the Lord, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God is going to open up those galaxies to us. And he's going to say, go and enjoy. Be blessed. Partake of the beauties of my creation. That's what's in store for the child of God who serves the Lord Jesus Christ. To me, it's a no-brainer. What do you think? It's a no-brainer. So if you're here today and you have not made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, please do it today. We will have brothers in the back who will be praying for you. Please go back there. And tell them that you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior. And once you do that, we have some material that we'd like to give you to help you get established in your walk, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. The Word of God tells us, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. And I encourage you to do that in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. We love you so much, guys. And may God's favor, 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 and his Holy Spirit just continue to overwhelm you, overtake you, and radically transform your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. George.